Thank you for taking the time to download this podcast from Rosendale Research School. If you've enjoyed it, why don't you sign up for our monthly newsletter? You can do this via our website at rosendale.researchschool.org.uk. Welcome to the first Rosendale Research School podcast of the new academic year. You join us on a beautifully sunny autumn day in South London. Um, I'm joined this week by Kate Atkins, who is the CEO of the Great Northwood Education Trust, as well as head teacher of Rosendale Primary School. And we're going to talk a bit about behaviour this morning. Um, It's been very topical. Uh, A couple of years ago, the DfE had a behaviour report out and they've in in the behaviour czar, Mr Bennett, is putting together some sort of network for behaviour and then in the summer the EEF produced their guidance report on improving behaviour. Kate, welcome. Hi Doug. Perhaps you could uh, share a few things with us about, about why I should say that we had an inset on our first day back, which was all about our school's revised behaviour policy. Perhaps we could start there, Kate. Yes. Um, I think, I suppose one of the reasons that we wanted to start with a focus on behaviour is that we felt last academic year we had some challenges around behaviour. And we had to do quite a lot of running to catch up in order to to go back to our behaviour policy and then looked at how it didn't quite meet the needs of the school. So I wanted to start this academic year by having a a whole school approach to behaviour and a real consistent understanding and agreed approach to behaviour. So the first thing I did, one of the first things I did was go to the EEF guidance report because within there is contained all the stuff that the evidence says about making, um, you know, what makes a difference. And and very interestingly, one of the things they talk about is having consistency and having an understood school behaviour policy because your approach to behaviour needs to be consistent across the whole school. The children need to know that every adult they're going to come across will speak to them in the same language. Yes. There'll be the same rewards, there'll be the same consequences, so that they have that sort of secure and safe space in, in which, to, um, in which to, to learn. And of course it's really difficult in schools because trying to get the whole staff team together is impossible except for on training days. Um, so when I say the whole staff, I mean the whole staff. We had the premises uh, staff yes, there and the right. office staff there. So that everybody had this, um, this kind of shared understanding. And we started off by looking at what our intent was. So what, what, did, what did we want? What would our ideal Rosendale pupil be doing and saying and thinking? And what right. would our ideal Rosendale member of staff be doing and saying and thinking and then the same for parents as well trying to think at about what are we aiming for so very much a top-down approach where you said this is what we want and this is how we'll achieve it how we're going to go so let's yeah because it's very hard to implement something if you don't know what your goal is and and what you're trying to attain at the end Mm. and also because i wanted to make sure that we had a consistent approach you know it also says in the EF guidance report that you should know um, your individual pupils and their influences. And I think influences is, is a great word. So it's about all the things that they're coming across in their daily lives that, that makes them who they are. And that your behaviour policy should be responsive to that. So starting to think about what we were aiming for, I wanted to begin there because there might... You know, some schools have a policy where they're expecting their children to sit in silence in classrooms. Yeah. Now, we don't have that at Rosendale because our whole ethos is around developing language. If our passion and our passion is to try and close that attainment gap, 
Yes. Then you have to make sure that the, the children who are coming from language poor environments are able to be in a language rich environment at school and in the classroom. So, so is that more of a of your desire because I'm wondering with these things you're trying to get systems where one size might fit all which is very hard generally but that's because you think that suits this school or because it's what you want this school to become oh good question Doug I think it's probably both I think that you have to look at what suits the school and then how you make that um, as kind of uh, as structured as possible so it's tricky because we want our children to talk yes. but we also want them to talk in a constructive and positive and guided way so that they're developing language and they're thinking but that when they need to be quiet and write silently or do solo work or whatever then you're able to create that atmosphere within the classroom and i think that's probably trickier it yes. might well be easier if you just have you know what you're absolutely silent throughout throughout the whole of the lesson but you're losing all those great opportunities to develop language. Yes, it's always that old whole thing, isn't it? When you go into a classroom, whether some people think, oh, this is silent, that's jolly good, isn't yeah. it? Whereas actually, no, there's tops of talking, that's very good. They're talking yeah. to each other about yeah. the learning. So and that, the thing. that goes back to um, sort of the work of Professor Robert Coe, who um, works at Pandurham University, because he produced this, this um, great list that I, I think about a lot, which is poor proxies for learning. So things that are really easy to observe, go in, tick, but don't necessarily mean that learning is taking place. Right, and yes. one of those is silent classrooms. Yes. So you can go in and think, oh, what an amazing classroom here, everybody is silent, but they may be silent because they're writing the same word over, yeah. you know. It doesn't correlate to whether they're, exactly. yeah, they're going to be, yes. They may well be learning, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Um, so we started by thinking about what we wanted from our children and that, you know, we wanted our children as well to be able to to be think creatively and to ask questions and to but to understand um, their in, the impact of their behaviour on other people yes. and also to understand that they're going to make mistakes and then learn from them. And then when we talk about uh, staff members, we were talking about how important it is to be prepared for your lessons in the yes. morning. Because I think we all know that. We've all had that experience where you've done a lesson and you know that you're winging it and then the behaviour has not been great as a result of you winging it and we need to be honest and reflected on ourselves for ourselves as professionals to say. Yeah, I I think that's... Yes, as you say, it's being honest on your own personal reflections because your first call should be, hang on, was it me? Was the lesson actually badly structured or strategy? Rather than going, well, so-and-so is just always like that. Absolutely. Uh, Without beating yourself up too much about it. But yes. And knowing that that's okay. As we go through the school year, we're all going to make mistakes, you know, from the head down to a new child in reception. We're all going to be making mistakes and learning from them and and not being afraid to say, do you know what, I didn't get that right that time. And, you know, and I'll happily put my hand up for last year and say, do you know what, I didn't do it right last year. We ought to begin probably every year with a quick review of the behaviour policy. it might not take the you know the, the amount of time that we focused on it but that's my learning from it and and i'm quite you know i have to model the behaviors that i want other people to take yes, on course. board so i will put my hand up and say you know i, I got it wrong last year so i'm going to learn from that and make sure that i, that I get it right this year referring to the the eef guidance yeah. report it is you know it's only a guidance report yeah. it's not in itself a behavior policy there are lots of different paradigms and models about behavior 
zero tolerance seems to come around and things like that. Do you think there is ever a uh, sort of, you can put one right across everybody that's going to work or is it very much dependent on your catchment in your school? I think that every school's behaviour policy should be unique to the school. Yes. Because it should meet the needs of, of that particular cohort and that particular group of staff. Because say you've got, you know, a single form entry where 70 or 80% of your teachers are newly qualified teachers, I bet your behaviour policy would be very different to yes. the kind of behaviour policy we, we can create here where we've got a, a large and very experienced staff. Right. So it's, it's horses for courses. And neither do I think that you can have one behaviour policy that will last you for you know, adding for nice needs to be reviewed on an ongoing. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. On a regular um, basis. And one sort of looking more global because it, uh, they say it has been in the news, lots about mm. behaviour in schools and lots of other things. Uh, I'm always of the opinion that as we get older, we always blame the younger generation for not <laughs> behaving like we did. Um, so I sort of think, I'm sure we would have done that in their day. But some people do think there's not a, not a societal breakdown, but there is issues to do with authority. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Tricky I mean, it's one. interesting. There's a, there's a great quote, is it by Aristotle, where he talks about how dreadful teenagers are. They're rude and they're unresponsive. And, they're, and you can go and, go and search the quote. Right. Yeah. And looking at the quote, you'll think, oh, well, you know, the Prime Minister must have said this two weeks ago. And actually, it's not. It's, it, it's, it's Aristotle. Um, Greek, yes. You know me, I have the theory that teenagers are very like toddlers. They're just, you know, they're going through a big transition phase. So they don't realise how they can't control their volume properly. You know, as their bodies sort of, and their hormones kind of take over them. Yes, yes. And I also think that, you you know, you have to be realistic as the head of a school and identify the things that you cannot have any impact on and then look at the things that you can have an impact on. So one of the things that we talked about here are when we looked at the behaviour policy are what are the things that we do as a, a, on a regular basis that are there, that are classroom management strategies, if you like, that support good behaviour in the first place. So we want to make sure that the things that we use in the classroom, so for example, because um, Rosendale is a, is a Kagan school, our pupils sit in mixed attainment teams of four, and everybody will have a, a number from one to four within that team. Mm. So I, I did a learning walk yesterday looking at, at how those classroom management strategies are, are, are working. And in almost every classroom I went in, they have a system where this week, number ones are going to do all the fetching of resources. Right, the, the, yeah. the fetching of resources and the putting away. And you can use these things to make those transitions work really smoothly. Yeah. Um, and break those transitions down into small spaces. Okay, everybody now we're going to put sit down, put our pens down and close our books. And that's step one. And you wait for everybody to do that. And along the way, you can do lots and lots of positive reinforcement. Oh, Doug, great job. You were first. Yeah. You have a green choice. So we have a system of green and red choices at Rosendale as well, which, which runs consistently across the whole school. Um, and so it's great that you've got a language that you can use so that we can now say to kids, wherever we come across them, uh, if they're maybe not behaving in a way that we want them to, what would the green choice be? Ah, the green choice would be X. Yeah, to sit down while I'm eating my lunch. That's absolutely right. Good. Let's see if you can make the green choice. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And, you know, as a teacher that spent his time doing, uh, being out of class a lot recently, Mm. um, I found that, do you know what? I'm just going to give lots of green choices now because 
I'm aware that I might be becoming emotionally involved in it, but with the green choice, it makes you feel better and it resets you in a way to do yes. that. So it's a lovely thing to have yeah. to be able to use. Yeah, because it's yeah. very, if you're not careful, you can very quickly go to the, you, you've got some 28 children doing the right thing and two children who aren't. And it's very easy as a teacher to get dragged into that, stop doing that, you know, Tom, you know, Harry, that's very bad. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and you can get, if you're not careful, you get in a negative loop. Now, the interesting thing about kids is that what they want mostly is your attention. Yes. And they don't care if they're getting the attention in a negative way. They just need the attention. Yeah. So what's happening when you're giving them that attention for negative behaviours is that you're reinforcing that behaviour. Whereas if you can switch that and give, oh, you know, all those other children who were, who were doing the yeah. right thing, giving them the attention with a green choice. The minute you see Tom doing the right thing, Tom, that's brilliant, green choice, there yeah. you go. And you can give the attention for the behaviour that you want to see happen. Absolutely, um, which is almost promoting it, isn't it? Exactly. By them rewarding it. Exactly, yeah. because, you know, one of the other recommendations from the EEF is about you have to teach learning behaviours. Some of our children won't have good learning habits. Yeah. And so we need to teach those. Um, so I, you know, I see one of our staff members who, you know, regularly does okay eyes and knees to me, because he wants the hot, the, the children to physically turn themselves round so that their knees are facing him, their eyes are on him, yeah. and he knows he's got everybody's attention, um, because he's teaching good how to listen actively uh, and kind of participate. Okay, yeah. And I think our Kagan structures do that as well because. The children know that when they're doing work, they're going to be held accountable for it. So that you can say, okay, we're going to do um, a time pair share. Uh, you've got 30 minutes to share with your partner, 30 minutes, 30 seconds to mm -hmm. share with your partner. Right, then the next person's got 30 seconds to share. Right, Doug, can you tell me what your partner said? And yeah. so you know that you've got to listen because somebody's going to you know, gonna hold you to account you, for yes. it. Yeah, yeah, afterwards. Okay. And again, that's teaching learning behaviours. Um, so you have to make sure that your classroom management strategies are, are, are good and the kids understand and know what's expected of them. And then you need to kind of teach the behaviours yeah. that, that you want to see um, alongside them. And one of the other recommendations for EDF that I think is really important is that it use simple approaches as part of your regular routine that you're not reinventing the wheel right. that a lot of what we do as part and parcel of our everyday classroom practice are great things like giving out green choices yeah. um, but we just need to recognise why so one of the things that we did on the, uh, on the training day that I really wanted staff to think about is you know we do um, so we, we use Kagan structures, for example, a, a Rally Robin or, or A's Tell B's. And the reason why we do that is because we want more children to be actively engaged and participating yes. in the lesson. Because if you ask a question as a teacher and then you wait for hands up, you've got one child who's contributing and 29 others who, for all you and know... And you'll always just... choose that one child. Exactly. So, yeah. so you either, the, the, the evidence says that you either get, choose the child who you know is going to give you the right answer or you choose some kind of child with who struggles with behaviour or possibly has special needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the evidence tells us that that's who teachers pick on. And we've got some of our kids who desperately want to participate and we're getting in trouble for shouting out. Well, if they, they need to share, give them the opportunities to share. Um, within their groups. Within their groups. Possibly, yeah. Tell your yeah. partner. Uh, yes. And then you've had a chance to speak and you feel better for it. I mean, I know that when we do this in our adult learning session, so we use Kagan teams in our, in our 
teacher training, I know that the teachers want to speak. And so having the opportunity to do that, and I feel it myself. Somebody else is leading the session and says, okay, now you've got a chance to talk to your partner. It's satisfying something within me. Because to sit silently and listen for all that time, yeah, yes, it, 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 it doesn't necessarily mean that you're that you're taking it in or, or that you're, you know, you're you're really thinking deeply about the knowledge. But putting those structures in means that, that you can do, and so that the, the children are joining in in the lesson rather than just sitting there. Okay. Because I see lots of our staff members who would really struggle to listen without fiddling or. Well, I'm one of those staff I'm, members. You are done. You, you're thinking of me. <laughs> When along, you said that. along with several you others. You didn't see her stare at me. <laughs> you, um, you know, okay. you, we find it difficult as adults. Yeah. So why are we asking our kids to do something that we ourselves, yeah. as, as grown-ups, uh, struggle to do? And then I think that this is, you know the other point in the guidance report that I haven't mentioned yet. I think I want to talk about is is this idea about some children are going to need targeted approaches in order right, to meet yeah. their individual needs. And in exactly the same way as when we're teaching reading, we know there are some kids who need more um, than the kind of normal classroom approach in order to develop reading. And so we you know, develop a, an individual education plan for them. Exactly the same with behaviour. Yes. In every class, you're going to have some children who, for whom... The, the kind of general structures that you've got in aren't enough and they're going to need, to need, need their own personalised yeah, perhaps absolutely. green and red uh, and choices yeah. and I think we should feel as understanding about those children who need something more in order to behave as we feel about the children who need more in order to be able to read Yeah, okay. because we, we think very sympathetically about those children who need scaffolding for reading and I think we should feel exactly the same way for those children who need scaffolding for behaviour yeah. but I think that's sometimes more challenging uh, as a member of staff to yes. kind of understand and embrace the you know the needs of those that's fantastic those so thanks so much Kate before we go just one mm. thing what one piece of advice what? you say having over the last year having had behaviour becoming perhaps a bit more on the radar for you what one piece of advice could you offer somebody out there who's thinking oh, gosh this isn't working we need to do something Work with your staff. Okay. Don't try and implement something from the top down. Talk to your staff. Find out what you know what their concerns are. Find out where they're feeling disempowered, possibly where they'd like more training, where they feel more support is needed, and get that sense of okay, we're going to approach this as a team. Having that whole school consistent approach, I would say, yeah. is possibly the single most important thing to do. That's fantastic. Kate, thank you very much indeed. It's been a and pleasure. we will uh, be seeing you again soon. Thanks, Doug. Bye. Bye bye.